Good morning, Sarah Hepla. Good morning, Nancy Rommelman. Um, hey, you're back in New York now. Is the smoke apocalypse still happening? No, I you know I missed the smoke apocalypse. I was in uh, I was in LA at the time, and no, when we when we landed, it was like a, you could smell it a tiny bit, and we actually grabbed some masks, thinking it was going to be terrible. I got up the next day, I I didn't even really notice it, um, and then I went upstate, and it wasn't there at all. Uh, so mm. no, it's fine. It's fine, but it is. It's starting to be big frizzy hair weather. I can report that it's humid and girl. Crazy. It is that in Dallas. I have some oh. big frizzy hair. It won't stop yeah. raining. It but I want to tell curling. you something about. I want to tell you something about today. Yes. Thirteen years ago, I woke up very hungover, and I announced that I was going to stop drinking for like the two hundred thousandth time. Um, but I this time I did it. And so 13 years ago, I got sober. Sarah, Sarah, hey. congratulations. That's like, I, I'm, I'm supposed to give you like a little the coin, biggest right? mistake the- of my life. <laughs> no, I'm just don't you get like a, don't you get a little coin in AA for like your anniversaries? Yeah, they're a little chintzy with the rewards. It's <laughs> like these little coins that look like something, you know, but they're heavy-ish. Um, yeah, I'm going to have a 13-year chip. Well, congratulations. Um, I know your life oh, is only what? Well, I was just gonna say this officially marks that I have been sober longer than drinking, or this is the longest stretch of my sobriety, by which I mean I started drinking at thirteen. And so okay. now being thirteen years sober, it means this is the longest stretch of my sobriety. Does that make Congratulations. sense? Congratulations. Yeah. And yeah. you're going into just a whole new whole new changey presto. Yeah, it's all going downhill from here, but that's fine. Yeah, it's it's nice of you here. to say that. Um, I wanted to say that the last time I think we spoke, you were saving, you you uh, you saved me from thinking I'd been roofied. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah. I thought I was roof, roofied, but it turned out I had, it was a combination of food poisoning and cough syrup. <laughs> but I'm fine now, but thank you for that because it, it was a little weird. I was like, damn it. I, I did get roofied once years ago, um, but this was, and it felt so similar, but it wasn't. So yeah. there we go. Well, so, the roofie thing is interesting because most people's minds leap toward that. And roofies are hard to detect, so it's kind of impossible to know. But what the statistics and the science tells us is that most times people have not been roofied. There right. is a more plausible explanation. It's just that because of the media attention to that, uh, it's it's what your brain goes to. So very common, like back when I was drinking, I thought I had gotten roofied when actually I was just drinking so much I got I blacked out. You know, yeah, which is yeah, yeah, very yeah, yeah. common. You know, you wake up and you're like, I don't remember anything. And it's like, I got roofied. And then it's like, well, maybe it was that you drank on an empty stomach and you had a bunch of shots and, you know, whatever. There's, there's, that was not the case with you. But, no. uh, yeah. No, the one time I did get roofied, I, I may have told this story. I was with my husband and my ex, Tim, and we were at a, it was like a little function and I'd had like a drink and a half. And they both were watching me. I mean, these are men that know me really well. And they're like, what's going on with Nancy? I don't remember what I was doing, but apparently I was like 
bumbling and weaving and doing something weird. And then they got me home and I jumped off the porch, which is not normal. And then my husband finally got me to bed and I slept for 12 hours. And I don't know. I mean, I didn't have a test to know if I was roofied, but it was, it was definitely strange. Um, yeah. Anyway, everything's fine now, except for, um, you know what's not fine? You know what's weird, Sarah Pepla? It's really weird when writers with absolutely gigantic, gigantic platforms who have spent, you know, we're presuming years on a work of fiction decide, um, decide because 532 people on Goodreads give your not yet released book a one-star review and calling you a mean person. That's kind of that's kind of a lost opportunity, it seems to me. It kind of seems to me, if you are an Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, a book that I'm of the opinion shows up in everyone's house, but you've never read it. Showed up in my house. I've read it. Oh, I've you did? read it. Okay. Well, you're going to have a little more information there. Uh, there's a couple of books, Eat, Pray, Love, and Three Cups of Tea. These books show up in your house. And God, I have a tragic story about Three Cups of Tea. But um, anyway, uh, she... So uh, I think a- the book that shows up in everyone's house that nobody reads is The Body Keeps the Score. I No, I don't have that. That has not shown up. They, they know I'm too mean Every- for that. Yeah. Th- that I, I, That book is like 800 pages about some sort of like, it's about trauma and I swear yeah, everybody yeah. buys it and nobody reads it. Yeah. That's it, just you know, my that's just my hot take. It's the new eat pray love. But anyway, yeah. So yes, yeah, so she wrote a book. What is the name of the the snow the snow the, forest. The snow forest. So Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote Eat Pray Love wrote a book called The Snow Forest which is apparently about um Soviets all, all in the mid last century. Leaving it's 1980s. 1980s. She said mid last century in her in her little um, video that she released. Um, who kind of decide to leave uh, industrialized society in order to defend nature? And she writes this book and she makes an announcement. I guess last week that it's coming out. And um, because there is a war in Ukraine with Russia as the aggressor, uh, people that feel that it is insensitive of her to cite a work of fiction that takes place in the 1980s in Russia is somehow harming Ukrainians and harming them personally. And again, I I checked last night, it was 532 one-star reviews for a book that no one has read because this book is not out yet. And there are no other reviews, no other stars, two, three, four, five. It's only one star. And basing her, basically telling her I didn't read very many of them. I think you read more than I did. How insensitive she is, how she's hurting the people of Ukraine. And I guess it was yesterday or the day before, she made a little video that she released saying she was pulling the book. For now. So so for now, yeah. I mean, so this is a really fascinating story. You know, the the week before she had announced the book and nobody knew it was coming. So it was a little bit of a, like, surprise. One of the biggest authors working today is releasing a novel. Um you know, Elizabeth Gilbert will probably forever be known for Eat, Pray, Love, but she has done many other books. Uh, I happen to be a big fan of her magazine articles that she wrote prior to becoming a novelist. She did my favorite profile of Tom Waits. It's called Play It Like Your Hair's on Fire. It's fantastic. She wrote a lot about masculinity in the years before Eat, Pray, Love happened. And 
in the years since, she's written a lot of novels. I've never read any of them. My mother read one and really liked it. Um, she also wrote a really great creative manual called Big Magic uh, that I that I would recommend. It, it's very interesting because that book sets out several different suggestions, one of which is to not be much, you know, to, to, to cure yourself of the need to please your audience, right? Um, sure. And yet that seems, because, because it's something that hamstrings artists a lot, and in particular um, women who, who have a very strong connection with their online following, which she does. You know, one of the interesting things about her Good Morning America appearance, which happened last week, um, she did a little video after that for her online audience. And I don't know how many people follow her on on Instagram and, and the Twitters and all that. It's, you know, it's probably something like a million. I mean, she just has a really huge online following. And I get a little bit allergic to it. You know, she has this this habit of saying like dear ones. Have you ever noticed that? Dear I, ones. Only because only because I saw it yesterday. I, I don't follow her. I don't really pay attention to her, but I did see okay. that. Yes. Yeah, she calls them dear ones. So if she's if she's cultivating this sort of online community, it doesn't seem surprising that there's going to be an online community that then goes after her. Right? Live by the yes. sword, die by the sword. I think that's right. And so one of the things she talks about in that video about launching the book is that during the pandemic, she had moved into isolation and didn't see anybody for a year, which is pretty intense and how much she loved it. Um, And that is what inspired her to write this book about a family in Siberia uh, that was, uh, you know, the protagonist is a young woman that's sort of fighting back against the industrialization of Soviet society. So what this really is, is kind of like a Ted Kaczynski style, like, like, uh, push back against modern industrialization. Not really Ted Kaczynski-ish, but you know, He's on my mind because he just died. Sure, because he just died. There, there was yeah, um, there was a lot of stuff about how his manifesto uh, was a was a cry against industrialization, but she sets it in Siberia. I almost wonder with somebody that is so disconnected from the world, so disconnected from the news cycle, except for this parasocial relationship with her, with her audience. I'm not saying she didn't know about the war in Ukraine. I'm just wondering how much she was really plugged into the news cycle in general. Um, And so she announces this and she's got this sort of like, you know, sunshine on her face, like it's a magical book about a mystical time. It's called The Snow Forest. It's coming out next week. And she's sort of awaiting the plaudits. And then what comes instead is a backlash. And we actually don't know what that looked like. I mean, the receipts we have are the campaign that was launched on Goodreads. And it's, as you say, 500 and some one-star reviews from one person after another saying, how dare you? Which, you know, this is one, one, of, the, one of the smaller subsets of this 
of this drama is the extent to which Goodreads seems to be broken. Goodreads is a site that was started as a fan community. You know, it kind of took the microphone away from critics that were gatekeepers on whether or not a book was any good. But we've seen a series of campaigns of people being uh, denigrated before a book ever comes out. And it seems like there should be some kind of mechanism in place over there. If Goodreads is going to be so influential, which I think the publishing industry believes it is, You need some guardrails in place so that a bunch of randos, because 500 people is really, it feels like an assault, but it's really not a hard thing to get a bunch of people to write a one-star review that has seven words for a book they've never read before. And this keeps happening and happening. Now, what we don't know is, you know, because she says, uh, I've received massive outpouring from my Ukrainian readers. Now, everybody on Goodreads is just, I don't, I didn't get the sense they even knew who she was. It was just or like, that, you're not allowed to do this. Or that they were Ukrainian. Like, that's a good point. It, good yeah. Point. I, I want to say something, you know, often we, we mention very, very often, we know we are part of a bubble. You know, you and I are on Twitter. It means things. I, I talked to someone not long ago. They had never heard of Twitter. Okay. Which I kind of loved, but I want to just say something <laughs> about. Yeah, that's that's about the per- Siberia I no, want to live uh, in. Yeah. I, I want to say something about perspective. You know, 532 is, is, just, it's not even a tiny, tiny rounding error compared to the number of books this woman has sold to have that influence and to say, you know, well, Goodreads has this influence. I'm just going to say, personally, I have not been on Goodreads. I'm never, ever on Goodreads. One reason being, I think about 15 years ago, I remember I had a I had some sort of set to or argument with the founder of Goodreads. I don't remember even what it was about now, but they pulled some kind of garbage and I called him on it and he kind of was like, oh yeah, whatever. But I never go on there, but I did go on yesterday because I wanted to see what was going on with Elizabeth Gilbert. I was like, oh, let me check my own. I have never looked at To the Bridge and what the stars are or what the... I never have. Okay, so you... there's a lot. There's like 5,000 or something, whatever. Yeah. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm trying to say that I do not pay attention to this. My publishers have never said a word about Goodreads. My friends and I never discussed Goodreads. Have I ever, has that word ever come out of my mouth with you? No, because it doesn't really matter. It matters if you decide it's going to matter, but it re- she could have ignored this. And you know what? I, I just, were- I just, a, 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 I shouldn't have interrupted you. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's fine. My mouth was full of pushback. I wanted to you gently have, you push You have things back. to say. Say it, girl. Say it. Well, I want to push back on the idea that Goodreads doesn't matter. I, I, I would say something differently. I think Goodreads is none of our business. You know, it's it's not an author's business what's going on on a fan community. And I think that way lies peril. I have looked at my Goodreads page. I, actually, when my book came out, I had somebody else read my, like, pick out reviews to read to me. I didn't look at it myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the reasons why it's possible for people to write reviews before um, a book comes out is that publishers became very dependent on sending pre-publication books, galleys, what we call galleys, to influential Goodreads. Uh, reviewers with the hope that they would start to tout the book, which happened with my own book. Um, And so they get early reviews and then that becomes part of the influence machine in the same way that critics 
get galleys in order to write reviews. And all of this starts to make the drum pound toward what is really the biggest week of a book's publication, which is its first week. Because its first week, you have all the pre-orders dump at once and you have a chance to get on the bestseller list. So, you know, for a book like, for instance, mine, which was going to be a very hard sell in a crowded marketplace, you wanted those pre-orders to to rack up so that they all counted at once and then, ta-da, I appear in the, in the very last clinging on by a tiny, tiny thread, number 15 on a list of 15 tied with Ann Coulter. That's my story. Um, yay. yay. But, but um, Sarah, Sarah, she would not have needed that. Okay, I don't know if that's doesn't... true. Novels are very, very hard to sell. I actually don't know what her novels are selling. The Snow Forest doesn't necessarily recommend itself as rocketing up the bestseller list. You know, Colleen Hoover is owning that thing right now. I don't even know if you know who she is. She's a writer outside of Dallas that's written like five different romantics, uh, what are they called? Romance books that are just selling like like, she started as a self-publish. She started self-publishing, I believe, too. She was a She's self-publisher. Like, I mean, the book the publishing biggest, company is biggest. like we. Yeah, we don't even know what's happening anymore. Good. There are people that good. we that we that we uh, told no, you can't publish it. It's not any good, and I, they're owning the bestseller list. I love this because pub- I pub- yes, yeah. Please keep going. No, I'm just no, saying, no. I, I love this because we know that there's a lot of, you know, there's just so many sort of impediments to getting published in the traditional way. And then all of a sudden, Amazon comes in and they create these self-publishing platforms. And of course, most of it's awful, but sometimes it's not. And sometimes it's hit. It hits. And then, you know, I published my To the Bridge was with an imprint of Amazon called Little A. And, you know, uh, not that this is so important, but bookstores would not carry my book. Nobody would review my book um, yeah. because it was it was uh, because Amazon was the enemy. Because Amazon, even with the self publishing, mine was not self published. It's an actual imprint. They have at least thirteen imprints over there at Amazon. But Amazon was eating people's lunch, and they didn't like it. So they're like, "Well, we're going to turn yeah. our backs on that." But now that's too late because there's just too many ways to publish now, and you can't afford to do that if you're the traditional. You you have to. Just say, okay, we're in a new world. How do we pivot? Yeah, I haven't read these colleagues. I don't really read romance novels, but she's been like, she's like the biggest selling author around. Apparently she she sold more books than like the Bible or something. It's kind of bananas. And And very prolific. Very prolific and very likable. Good for her. Good for her. She's like, I'm just going to do it. That's what we have to do. I just, I'm going to push back. We're going to just keep pushing back on on each other. I think that, Elizabeth Gilbert, as a best-selling author, yes, maybe, you know, it's not going to be an eat, pray, love, but with a million followers here and there and her publisher behind her and her fans, I just don't see that 532 one-star reviews are going to be the, like, kill it. I mean, she could have just gone out and made another beautiful, hello, here I am with my book video and had all these other people that and wouldn't even been paying attention to that thing. She called attention to it because I think she feels that she's being kind or sensitive or somehow she feels, I mean, here's the thing, Sarah, 
I, I have to say something, and I'm sorry, it's going to sound snotty, but I don't really care. Um, you, we all know um, Rob Henderson, really good writer, writes about, yeah. he's got a sub stack. He writes really interesting stuff about psychology and sociology. He's, he's really interesting. And he had a, he had a, a piece up about victim signaling, signaling a couple of days ago. And a quote from it is, sometimes being a victim can increase one's social status. Well, we know this, right? I mean, we, we know right. that people will sometimes. Okay, so... To me, it seems like the people that are going on Goodreads to, you know, tell Elizabeth Gilbert what a terrible person she is, they're getting this kind of vicarious victimhood status by empathizing with Ukrainians. But here's what I want to posit, okay? How long did it take you to write that? Two minutes? It's a seven-minute thing? Did it take you seven seconds? I went to motherfucking Ukraine, okay? And I wrote about it and I looked at it and I talked they to people you. there and I stay in touch with people there. And I don't go around talking about how Elizabeth Gilbert shouldn't write her book because you know what? She's she, if she wanted to, she could have said, you know what? I hear you guys. You know what? I'm going to give 10 percent of my uh, proceeds to help the Ukrainians. I'm going to do a million different things that are positive as opposed to taking a piece of art that she has created, which we're going to assume has some, you know, some validity or some art or some tenderness or some heart or something. And I'm going to take, I'm going to make the world less. I'm going to make the world a lesser place because 532 people got mad. I find this to be, she had a real opportunity, Sarah, I know you're raising your hand. She had an opportunity to, to make, to, to not be another person that does this in the culture wars to say, we're going to take a better pivot here. Okay. We know we're never all going to agree, but we're all going to do our work and we're going to try to not let politics like kill what we really feel we're doing from the heart and is that, and is creative. She had an opportunity to do that and she didn't. She caved instead to people that I, 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 I don't know why they did this. And I don't think, I don't see how they believe they're helping the people of Ukraine. I get excited when you get feisty. <laughs> okay. Are you ready for my pushback? I'm ready. Push it, baby. My turn. My turn. My turn. <laughs> okay. A couple of things. Uh, one is that you keep saying this happened because of 530 something reviews on Goodreads. And I think it's important to point out, we actually don't know if that's the reason. Okay. That's the evidence trail that we have. Uh, I looked up her social media following. She isn't that big on Twitter. Actually, she has a little under 300,000 followers, but on Instagram, she is huge. She has a million. And that is, that makes sense. Instagram is a more female friendly platform. It's also more to me, like, I think it's more connective, whereas Twitter feels, uh, maybe not combative, right? Um, so I think, uh, this is a situation where she really thought she was doing good by putting out this book and she was shocked by the pushback that let's take her word for it. Let's say it was her Ukrainian readers. Now, I think the important, one of the very important points that you're making sort of via Rob Henderson is this idea of victimhood as status. Because I think it's a very dangerous game that we're all playing. And one of the things, let's say these are Ukrainian people that are mad about the book. Okay, they're powerless 
to help this horrible situation, this feels like something they can do. This feels like a win. I'm going <laughs> to stop this book from coming out because I can't stop, you know, Putin's regime crushing over my homeland, okay? That's bad. Like, I get why it f- could feel like a win, but it's not. No. And when we reward that, that's we reward a way of kneecapping, you know, artists. This this is what's happening on cancel culture. Uh, that phrase. I haven't said it in I so know, long. I know. I, I know. almost missed it. But anyway, it's the idea that you can't change the world, so you're going to, you know, you can't change the president, so I'm going to ruin this rando's career. I can't take down systemic racism, so I'm going to kneecap the guy that runs the grocery store. Right. We're seeing in- this everywhere. It's unbelievably juvenile. I, I'm going to stick by that. I, I find this yeah, I'm not pushing of, back on like, that part. No, 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 I know. But it's like, you, you know, instead of saying, okay, like if somebody really felt this and they feel, like, I absolutely believe that there are people, Ukrainian, or I got to tell you, my experience, which of course, this is a great generalization. Ukrainian people are tough people, man. All right. I I don't, this kind of like little like weenie complaining in a seven word Goodreads review does not strike me as the people I saw that were getting up in the middle of the night and manning barricades and the kids that were making nets in grade school to hide the tanks. It doesn't really seem to me that like the little Goodread tweet or whatever is is up there. But let's say, okay, you are so hurt and you really feel that you have a point to make of why this is hurting. Well, then do something constructive. Don't do something destructive. She, they, you are not being constructive to do that. You want to talk to Elizabeth Gilbert? Try to have a conversation with her. Trying to build a platform. Try to write an article. Do something. This is weak. This is very, very weak. And I, I'm, I don't, you know. And then I think we were both kind of happy to see Pan America came out yesterday. And Pan America has not always, obviously, covered themselves in glory. Um, I'm thinking of Charlie Hebdo and also Salman Rushdie. But in any case, um, they called her decision regrettable and said literature and creativity must not become a casualty of war. Um, Anyway, so. Yeah, I mean, I was looking up how many people lived in in Ukraine. It's 40, it's around 44 million. Um, So even if every one of those Goodreads readers lived in Ukraine, which we know they do do not. Um, That is something like point oh oh oh. There's so many zeros, I can't even read them. You can't even do it. You have to just go, ooh. Ooh, 12%. So it's, you know, know it's, it's, it's a sliver, 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 sliver. But again, um, I, can I, can I defend Elizabeth Gilbert for a moment? You can, but I want to say one more thing. I really think Ukrainians have bigger things to worry about than Elizabeth Gilbert. Of course they do. Yeah. All right, go. Yeah, of course they do. But a symbolic (laughs) win for some might still feel like a win. And some of the pushback that I saw online was not really about this book. It was about a long history of romanticizing Russia, which has long used its um, literary tradition. Uh, 
as a way to kind of prop itself up as as well. This is before giving, you get to it. So should we then mm-hmm. not read Dostoevsky? Should we not read Tolstoy? Well, like not where gonna. do you where does it where does it stop? Where does it stop? Freedom fries? Like what what's going on here? <laughs> art art is going to save things. Okay. Anyway, go for it. Sorry. So Sarah. I'm going to defend Elizabeth Gilbert for a moment. Um because I actually think this is a deeply personal decision. Um and I can place myself in the in the shoes of someone that would decide for whatever reason now is not the time. And I feel for her that what is essentially like like I've tried to pull <laughs> we can talk about this later when we talk about the idol, but like I have tried to pull things from publication. I have said it's not ready. I have said I will give you back the money. Give me more time. Um, I have, you know, there are people that cancel their wedding the week before the wedding. You know, this happens, okay? And it's not easy. It couldn't have been easy. People are asking, like, did the, did the publishing company do this? I really seriously doubt that. I very seriously doubt this was the publishing company. I think this was Elizabeth Gilbert who had the money to say. And the clout. I don't want to do this. And and I sympathize with someone that thinks, you know what? Money isn't worth that much. And being on the wrong side of history could be a big deal. You're looking at what happens to JK, has happened to JK Rowling. You're looking at what other, you know, how have other people absolutely fallen in the esteem of their of their community we live in unreasonable times and i can see her thinking you know what i get it they they because by the way putting out a new elizabeth gilbert book they didn't start that last week even if she just announced no. it that that no. sucker's been in the hopper for a while and there have been armies of people putting together book covers, marketing material, you know, setting the, you basically set up the pin so that she can roll a strike that first week when it comes out. It's been a lot of work and a lot of money. I'm not even going to guess. I don't know how much money a publishing company puts into promoting a book like hers, but it's a lot. And if you pull the plug on that, that money doesn't come back to you. They don't give refunds. So I can see her saying, you know what? I get it. It's going to make everybody in the publishing company mad at me, but it's worth it. I'm going to do this because I'm doing this out of love. It doesn't feel right in my heart. I need to do this. And maybe she this was a this was a decision that was made under pressure and she might very well be rethinking it now that after having the Ukrainian backlash, she is now getting a big old slap against the face from the publishing community. Uh, There have been a lot of articles written about this. I have yet to find one, a big one, that supports this decision. I'm not saying it's not out there. I'm saying that what I'm seeing, I mean, and this is a time where it's really, you know, we tend, like, especially like the publishing company, tends to cave to kind of ideological whims. But that's not what I'm seeing. Um, 
Franklin Fower wrote in The Atlantic yesterday an article with the pretty fantastic title of Eat, Pray, Pander. <laughs> um, by withdrawing the book, she has set a terrible precedent. In meekly complying with the angriest voices, she accepted the argument that setting a book in Russia is an act of collusion, even though that's an entirely nonsensical argument. In effect, she's allowing the irrational feelings of her readers to set the terms of acceptable discourse. For a group to block a book, it just needs to clog the comments on Instagram with hurt feelings. I I agree with that. I just thought, so two things about Elizabeth Gilbert. I did think about her yesterday, this has got to be a very, very not fun place to be. I just picture this woman, just the angst and the sadness and how many cups of tea or cups of bourbon or whatever. It's It's got to be a very She's drinking a lot of tea. Hard, she's doing a lot of hard. yoga and she's living in isolation <laughs> out in, you know, wherever, woohoo, Connecticut. It's hard. But how about this? This is just terrible because you'll see what a terrible mind I have. What if she... Yeah didn't really like her book. And she's like, God, I really don't really want to like, cause you were saying like, there's things you don't feel already. What if she just like secretly was like, okay, listen, Joe, Jim, Julie, Oksana, why don't you start, let's see if this will work. And then I don't have to put out the book right away. I can, I can do some work on it. That's what I would do. That's what, I mean, that's what I would do because they'd be like, no, you got to make this deadline. And secretly I'd be like, it's not ready. It's no good. It's terrible. I got to fix it. I'd come up with that. It's the Ukrainian war. I got to pull this thing. If I had had that, I'm, I'm a, ter- I mean, maybe I'm a terrible person. I'm not. Hello, Smoke and We've Got Them listeners. If you are hearing this, that means you have just listened to the free portion of our Oh, I don't know. Bi-weekly episodes with Sarah Hepla. Sarah Hepla, who's just so busy right now, she could not record this little uh, interim moment for you. Um, we're happy to have you here as a free subscriber. If you'd like the entire episodes, please go over to smokeempodcast.substack.com and sign up and subscribe. Then you will get the full episodes every week, plus some special things we drop for you on the weekends and our monthly, our first Sunday Zooms. Again, to get the full fig, that is smokeempodcast.substack.com. Thanks.